A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. It's the weekend. I am grateful to each and every one of you. We've had a week of loss in this country, all around the country. Charlie Munger, the longtime business partner, number two man at Berkshire Hathaway to Warren Buffett's empire, passes away at 99. Henry Kissinger, who I'll be 100% honest with you, I didn't realize the guy was still alive. He passes away at 100. Rosalind Carter, the bride of former President Jimmy Carter, passes away. It just seems like that that's a lot. And all of these people, they all had such longevity. I wonder if they've parted with any of the secrets all along the way. I am grateful to each of their contributions to the United States of America and Sun some cases, in some really big cases, the entire world. I think the biggest story nationally actually happened to be in the metro Atlanta area this week. We've waited for a long time. We've seen Governor Ron DeSantis's campaign really start to run out of steam. He's hemorrhaging cash. He spent it like he was a rap star. He's had campaign changes. He's made all sorts of adjustments in his campaign. He has as little traction as he ever has. And that surprises me. When you look at Governor DeSantis, and I've been critical of him at certain points, like when he went to war with Disney, I think that he made a calculated mistake in the long term. It may have paid off and felt really good in the moment, but going to war with the state's largest business, it it can be problematic for a bunch of reasons. People don't necessarily like that. A lot of people get their jobs out of Disney or ESPN and other things like that. And yes, we all hate their politics. If you want to take a swing at the king, you better kill him. And I'll be 100% honest with you. Ron DeSantis will leave the public sphere long before Mickey Mouse ever will. I really think that was one of the short-term wins that may ultimately cost Governor DeSantis the war for the Republican primary. I think Donald Trump clearly has the wind in his back. I think we all, I mean, hell, you just look at the polls, it's not that hard to see. But I think Ron DeSantis has a really, really good future ahead of him. And on Thursday night in the great city of Alpharetta, Georgia, the one I call home, for whatever reason, unbeknownst to anyone on planet Earth, Sean Hannity decided he was going to put together a debate. It's been six months in the making between Governor Gavin Newsom and Governor Ron DeSantis. Newsom from California. It's a state I honestly love. I hate their politics. Man, it is flawless. California has the resources and the workforce that other states would kill to have. And so on some level, I think a lot of the hate that California gets is predicated on jealousy. If you live in Alpharetta, you live anywhere in North Fulton or East Cobb, the chances that you've worked in Alpharetta at some point are relatively high. And you know one thing about the community. It's very affluent. But if you look at it on the scale compared to California, which it honestly has the workforce in the state of Georgia that probably closest resembles the workforce in the state of California. Tons of really, really high-tech jobs. Two jobs for every person. California's managed to run those off. And a lot of that has happened under Gavin Newsom's 
leadership. But I'll tell you this, you know, both states, you can compare them in a ton of ways. They both have pretty balmy weather. They've got really nice beaches, coastal hubs, diverse communities. And I mean racially diverse, and I hate when we compare people based on racial diversity. A lot of English is a second language in both states, but it parts ways there. If you look, the income tax rate in the state of California for your top wage earners is 13.3%. Do you know what it is in the state of Florida? Zero. California has forced union rules, and it has a minimum wage in certain industries that may reach $20 an hour. It has incredibly restrictive land use laws. It makes it incredibly difficult to build there. They've got a lot of green energy policies. That whole LEED certification when you walk into a building 15 years ago, that thought process originated out of California. And California is the ringleader among welfare states. It pays out twice as much per person as the state of Florida. And Florida has grown and grown and grown. They picked up a handful of electoral votes after the last census. You know who lost electoral votes? California. You know who else lost electoral votes in the last census? New York. You know who else lost electoral votes? Illinois. What do all three of those states have in common? Unions, minimum wage laws, none of them are right to work. And at the same time, Governor Gavin Newsom takes the stage in Alpharetta, Georgia. And I will be honest with you, the man governs like an abject crazy person. And I watched him for an hour and a half and I was like, This guy, if he gets on a stage against Donald Trump, he's going to make you forget every poor decision that he has ever made. And he's made a crap load of them. You look, you know, Sean Hannity billed it as the red state versus blue state debate. But to be honest with you, from a government perspective, it's a rich state versus the poor state. You look at Florida, besides Texas, Florida had the highest government surplus in the entire country, second only to Texas, which happens to also be another really, really low tax state. But you can't take everything away from California. And look, you got to hear me out when I say this. I'm not a defender of it, but I worked in technology for the better part of 15 years. And every time I went out to Silicon Valley, it was amazing. And yeah, sure, some of that is predicated on the weather. But what they pay people in Silicon Valley, you are hard-pressed to find a business development, marketing, sales job where you can make less than $200,000 a year. You'd kill to have that problem anywhere else in the country. So I want to say a compliment to the people in California before I sit there and rip it apart. But California, for what I just told you, and the awesome weather, Florida's great. Look, Florida and California, you're an hour flight from any number of cities within the state of California where you can be on the beach, be in the snow. Hell, you can do both of those things in the same day. I've done it. You can literally be on the water in the morning and you can be on the ski slopes by the early part of the afternoon. Can't do that in Florida. There is no getting around that. But California, in the last census cycle, lost 1.8 million residents. Some of that we can blame on baby boomers aging out, dying off. But let's be honest about what it is and what it isn't. Governor DeSantis was the loudest and proudest over COVID by a country mile. Do I mean that Florida had the best policies and procedures with respect to freedom in the United States of America? No. Brian Kemp opened first, and he did so largely in a way that 
kind of irritated Donald Trump, but he wasn't that proud about it. He just said, look, these people are going to lose everything. If we don't open up, it's going to create a problem for a lot of people. And I would rather let them control their own faith than tell them that they can't go to work. You also had governors in South Dakota like Christy Noem and Henry McMaster in South Carolina who never shut down at all. Not one time, not for a day, nothing. They let businesses make their own decisions, and those states really and truly benefited. You know, but if you look, the Wall Street Journal has put out this week, money's leaving California too. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the average person in California is poor. They are not. But California lost $73 billion. I'm going to say that again. California lost $73 billion from the years 2015 to 2021. That was before COVID. COVID just exacerbated it. Over the same time frame, with less than half of the people, Florida gained $129 billion in net income over six years. Those statistics should be absolutely impossible. You look at Florida, and I give DeSantis and I give Rick Scott a ton of credit for it. And those two guys, by the way, do not like each other, but they're both conservative Republicans. They've expanded the port in Miami. They have put money to work over infrastructure. When bridges collapsed or fell apart during hurricanes, they were rebuilt in weeks. It's an amazing place. The unemployment rate in Florida is two points lower than it is in California. And that's not just now. That is over the last three years. You look at the education. Florida is increasing. DeSantis has rolled out some form of a voucher program for people who are really, truly in impoverished situations. And while Georgia looks at everything else with respect to school choice, I really think DeSantis is the guy who rolled out the roadmap on the way that you should do it. The number of homeless people in California was at nearly 171,000 people. Can you imagine living somewhere where nearly 200,000 people were homeless? And the problem has gotten worse as Governor Gavin Newsom has moved from the mayor's office to the LG's office to the governor of San, to the governor of California. Florida has fewer than 30,000 homeless people. Again, it's a state that's less than half the size, but if you stop the comparison there, it would be completely unfair. California and its green energy policies, you want to talk about the Green New Deal. There is no place worse than to look at the ideology of California and their net zero emissions plan by 2030. It doesn't, it, it's not even possible. I don't even know why Newsom continues to even talk about it. But gasoline between the two states, inclusive of the sales and excise taxes, is over $2 per gallon cheaper. California is an extremely energy-rich state. In spite of the fact that California has all of those regulations, even Florida's air quality is better than California. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you that I'm moving to Florida or I'm moving to California. If you sit there and tie me to a tree in La Jolla and you're going to pay me $600,000 a year and I get to live where I can walk to the beach, like, I can get past it, Gavin Newsom. I'll just tell you. But my cost is about there. Can you imagine being a dual-income household in the state of Georgia, getting uprooted and having to move to a really nice community in Orange County, San Diego County, like you couldn't make it work. And the proof is in the pudding here. And this is what scares me for the state of Georgia. When you look, I told you about all the great jobs that you have in the northern part of the metro area between Alpharetta and Roswell and Sandy Springs, the Georgia 400 corridor and the job center that surrounds it. 
If you walk through my neighborhood and you see people that you don't recognize and you say, hi, I'm Ben. I sit on the radio every once in a while. What do you do? I work in technology. We just moved here from California. And then I think, God, did they bring their politics with them? And plenty of them have. I don't know how we get around this part of it. Those hundred, those 1.7 million people that are live, leaving California, they are coming here for a reason. And what scares me is that Georgia is a state that's on the brink. And I think Governor Kemp has done a really great job being soft-spoken about the success of Georgia in a way that DeSantis has been a little probably too proud of. Florida's seen some growth, and I'm sure they're not happy with all of it. But man, if when these people are leaving and they're coming to nice places with good jobs and having a, be- a better cost of living with marginally less wages, I am worried about all the crap that is coming with it. This is Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We will be right back. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacey and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We are going to give the great debate, red state versus blue state, a rest for just a few minutes. Got big news. This may be even bigger news than the fact that California is a dumpster fire. McDonald's is announcing that they are no longer going to use dehydrated onions. I don't know what this means. I don't think I'm 40 years old. I don't remember a time where hamburgers at McDonald's or cheeseburgers for that matter. Somebody will give me a hard time for that. Didn't include dehydrated onions. I'm not a big fan. I'll be honest with you. When I go to when I go through the drive-thru and I use my app, I'm one of the like I'm one of the total fatties who uses the McDonald's app. More about that in a second. I'm one of the guys who's always just asked for no onions. Like the McDonald's onions have always been gross, and I'm not sure that this is gonna change me. I, I really I'm not. But look, when it hits the Wall Street Journal, it's big news. The hamburglar, an icon of my childhood, is making a comeback. I mean, where what have they done with all these? What's that purple thing? What have they done? When is the hamburger coming back? I had a birthday at McDonald's. This is for free. I had a birthday at McDonald's when I lived in Hawaii. I was a little kid. Actually, was there this summer, and I clearly just, like, totally had a flashback to my birthday party when I was, like, five or six, and the Hamburglar was there. I've got pictures on it somewhere. I'll find them. They'll be on social media. You can find me there on Twitter, at Ben Burnett, on Instagram, at the Ben Burnett Show. I, I spent, I'll be honest with you, I spend most of the time talking about the, I, I spend most of my time there talking about the show, but I am entertaining. In other news, Elon Musk tells Andrew Ross Sorkin that advertisers can go F themselves for leaving Twitter after his anti-Semitic flare-up or non-anti-Semitic flare-up. I'll be honest with you guys. There are things that I get to say 
here that I never had the luxury of saying in elected office. And I'm just, I'm putting it out there. You know, it's kind of hard to admit. I've got people, my political beliefs, they're pretty agnostic. They just, they are, because as a Christian, as a Protestant, if I were to move to Dearborn, Michigan and have to listen to those people try to implement local control Sharia law, like I'm clearly not living there. And if I don't want to put up with their crap, then and they don't want to come down here and put up with mine, that's a freedom of religion, a separation church versus state thing. I actually cling to that. I think that's one of the things that may ultimately save Christianity in America. But what really bothers me for Elon Musk, and I've talked about him in different ways. I think what he's after with climate change is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Does he make a huge difference to the economies of Texas and California and China? And yes, all those things are true. He creates a ton of jobs. He has not done it without the subsidies of the United States federal government. So when he wants to be super proud of himself for the great business that he's created that stands on its own two feet, hell, it took 20 years to get there. But he's no less doing it. And I like Elon Musk and I don't like Elon Musk. At the same time, I'm like a take it or leave it guy. People who put their money where their mouth is in life, in general, I am a fan of. So let me say that. But I think Elon Musk has taken a lot of liberties. When you're the CEO of a publicly traded company or a company that takes some Department of Defense contractors like or a company that takes some Department of Defense contracts like SpaceX, Look, I think the fact that he sends rockets to space is great. More cost-effectively than NASA ever could by a factor of 10. I don't take any of that away from him. But, but people in these positions of power, and, and, I, and I also like the fact that he's willing to speak his mind. I really do. I don't mind it. I like the fact that he bought Twitter with investment banks. I, I like the fact that he's like, hey, look, this is an open platform. But, dude, on some level, you do not have to comment on absolutely everything. And I don't know what it is about him that makes him feel like he's different. Like a lot of times when you open your mouth and you are a person with a massive profile, the only thing that happens to you is harm. I learned that. I was fortunate to learn that in elected office when nobody even gave a crap what I had to say. I was like, I ain't talking about that. I'm not wandering into that racial issue. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to go left versus right. I don't, I don't want to create a divisive environment. And it is either, to his credit, or extremely pound foolish. And when you start telling people as one of as the richest person in the world, we always talk about fu money. I've always wanted to have it. I'm really, I've always wanted to have it. To me, to Ben Burnett in 2023, I'm really about there. I am. I like the life that I've created for myself. I love what I have the opportunity to do. And that's not to say that I'm some sort of Elon Musk. I am not. I really enjoy the liberty that I have. And you know what I like more than anything? The liberty that I have to wake up every single day and do whatever the hell I want. Like, if you ask me who lives the American dream, it's not him. People hate that dude. The people who hate me, you don't even know who they are. The people who hate him are like IBM and Apple and Tim Cook and Airlines and FedEx. And they're like, we're boycotting Tesla because Elon Musk hates Jews. They've been looking for a reason not to do business with him because he doesn't give a rat's ass for a long time. And yes, he fits tons of their narratives. But look, when you get into the when you get into the corporate culture of corporate America, and this is the biggest reason why I'm grateful to be a thousand miles the hell out of it. 
you're a slave to them. You're a slave to the culture. I left Verizon and Windstream this year. You know what the thing is that is just an, an entirely hollow consequence. Do you know how many DEI initiative trainings I have done in the last year? Zero. I don't care. I hire the people that I want to hire. I put them to work where I want to put them to work. I let the talent speak for itself. If I want to hire somebody because they're attractive, I can do it. I, I haven't. I, I still candidly work for myself, but I want to be able to call all the shots. And so much of me being willing to just hire the people that I want to hire is because for so long, corporate America told me I had to hire somebody because they were purple or they were a lesbian. I am sick of, of being told by corporate America and the investment banking world that I have to hire purple lesbians because I can't find any. If you want to change your gender or your race or whatever, like quit making America has got to get to a place and the left is losing this war. I mean, we kind of saw some of the gender identity stuff with the DeSantis debate with Governor Gavin Newsom. We saw a little bit of the gender identity. And look, it pains me to watch Ron DeSantis sit there and beat on the social issues because he's really, really good at it. And it's not that I'm not good at it's not that I'm not strong on social issues. I'm just tired of talking about them. Do you know what people in America want in 2023 more than anything? They want to be educated and they want to be inspired. Corporate America, the investment banks, and our politicians don't check any of those boxes for us anymore. And I refuse, like when you sit there and listen to the divisive talk and the further and the further the station moves to the right in the mornings and in the afternoons, it's like, guys, I, I'm happy. I appreciate the authenticity that the radio station has moved. And, yes, I do think it's moving to the right. I think the guys on the morning show and I think the guys on the afternoon, uh, on the afternoon with the camera do a great job. I do. And I think they have their own thing, just like I have my own thing. But, guys, I'm telling you, like, when you continue to sit there and move right, like, I still care about people that live in California because they're people. They're Americans. The biggest frustration that I had the other night was that I thought Gavin Newsom had an opportunity to actually talk about his record and to backtrack some of it, and he didn't. And I don't know that he really was given a fair opportunity, in, fair, in fairness to him and in fairness to Sean Hannity. I mean, that was like a state-run Ron DeSantis campaign event. So, I mean, on one hand, kudos to Gavin Newsom for showing up when he said, I feels like I'm going to be on a two-on-one debate. I was like, I don't know who submitted questions. It felt like more like three or four. And by the way, your record still sucks, and I still was like, God, this feels bad. Uh, so I digress a little bit. Guys, I'm the person who will sit here and tell you, like, we have got to be the party who competes on ideas. I saw Chip Roy take the Congress floor a couple weeks ago, congressman from near San Antonio, Texas, and he said, quote, unquote, the Republican Congress has given me absolutely nothing to go home and campaign on. Nothing. We talk about social issues. We've talked about the speaker. We have done absolutely nothing. A Republican, a Ron DeSantis surrogate, was on Fox News on the debate. Right after the debate, he was sitting there sticking up for him. I like Chip Roy a lot because he's right. We can sit there and poke and poke and poke at the left ideology and the and the and the racial fights, and the DEI stuff, and the transgender stuff. Guys, that is not where America is. It is where the left ultimately wants to go. But the left of center Democrats, they are listening to people like me and people like you 
and they are longing for people who are like, you know what, California, I think your politics sucks. And I, I'm willing to bet that you think some of your politics sucks too. But if you guys want to sit there and operate on it to some in, in some way, shape, or form and try to make the world a cleaner, better energy place, like, go for it, man. I hope you're successful. I hope you're right because if you're right, we're going to take that and we're going to do it here. And we may do it in a different way, but I don't want you to be wrong about everything. I want you to stop losing 1.7 million people because your politics is horrible and the COVID record was bad. Gavin Newsom is candidly a guy that I kind of pull for. Like, I want him to figure it out because I think that he has the ability to inspire people. I have said for several days on several different shows that I think the man's, he governs like an absolute crazy person. But I'll tell you this, at one point, Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco. At one point, Governor Gavin Newsom was running to be the then mayor of San Francisco. And he wrote a $500 check to the Republican Party because they were thinking about putting a, a third-party person out there, and he said, I will always represent you as a fiscal watchdog. And Gavin Newsom was actually the right-leaning person in the race. Think about that. That tells me that, one, he knows where his constituents are, but, two, he also knows when he needs to pivot and make a shift. And I do think that the man has gone too far, but I pull for him. I, I, I pull for him because I think we should. I think the country is better when that state is hitting on all cylinders. When Silicon Valley is pumping out the jobs and going to work, there are things Gavin Newsom didn't talk about on the debate the other night that he should have a thousand percent been loud and proud on because California did things the right way. And I'll tell you what one of them is. In 2017 or 2019, he was a lieutenant governor and he had a couple of senators that had a background in technology that came forward and said, we need to create laws and restrictions that regulate the public right-of-way so that the carriers and the companies, the, the carriers and the content companies and everybody else do not have the ability to spy on the data that traverses the public right-of-way. He's actually done more than anybody else outside of the GDPR, the, the Great Britain and European Privacy Act that they have. The United States will not adopt this. They, they actually don't care. We're beholden to special interest groups. We talk about that all the time. Did you know that internet data that wants to go through South, that wants to go from Europe to South America, did you know that the European, did you know that the Europeans do everything in their power to map that internet traffic around the United States? Do you know why? Because the Patriot Act allows the United States government to look at all the internet content searches. The United States government can read absolutely anything that comes in from offshore and goes, so the Asian companies and the European companies, they actively seek to avoid the United States because of our draconian measures. You talk about tinfoil hat stuff, like that's one of the things Gavin Newsom's 100% right about. The California Privacy Act, I am shocked. I'm absolutely shocked that no other state has done it. But then again, I'm not. I was actually proud of him because I'm somebody who knows, I, we talk about it all the time, I'm a Fourth Amendment guy. I don't like unreasonable searches and seizures. I think you have a fundamental right to privacy. I actually think that that is one of the things that Gavin Newsom had the opportunity in front of America, and he never gets this, especially a conservative audience, and says, and takes the opportunity to say, "Did you know that the Republican Party, the party of the, the party of personal responsibility and independence, did you know that they actually don't give a crap about any of that? They're beholden to the carriers. They're beholden." 
to Google, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and Amazon, even though they tell you that they're not. And we're the only state in the country where if you cast a Google search or a TikTok or an Instagram reel, did you know that we don't allow them to spy on you? I think that the conservative audience would have been like, what in the hell did he just say? Like, why do I still get all the Instagram cat videos? I don't watch cat videos anymore because you quit listening. That's something that Gavin Newsom has done right, and he's done a thousand things wrong, but nobody misses on absolutely everything. And he had an opportunity to tell America what that what he was in favor of that they would have found consensus on, and that's how things move forward. And he didn't do it. I thought it was so petty for him to sit there, and I get that he doesn't like Ron DeSantis. I understand that those guys have a fundamental disagreement on the way that business gets done. I get it. I, but I'll tell you, the trolling to me is a guy who appreciates a good troll. I did appreciate that. Funny thing about what happened with, uh, with, with them after the debate, the funny thing that happened with him after the debate was that Ron DeSantis was supposed to take the stage at his hotel at the Mar- Marriott Windward at 1045, 1050. And Newsom's team found out that he was going to have his like spin room, war room right then. And he scheduled his five minutes earlier. Like I love the dirty gamesmanship of, of politics because, I mean, he's a surrogate for the Biden administration. I think he's truly a surrogate. I think he's truly a surrogate for himself, but he pretends like he's a surrogate for the Biden administration. Uh, And I thought the other great line of the night was that in in November of 2024, I promise you this, neither of us will be president. And I thought Newsom's like wry grin. I thought he kind of set looks smug most of the night, car salesman-y. But I was like, man, sometimes you get a good one-liner in there like against somebody who really needs the night to go well. It was... I appreciated the partisan gamesmanship, but can you imagine in 20, like how do you go out there and talk about how proud you are of the Biden-Harris administration? I was like, oh God. And what's even better is Gavin Newsom hates Kamala Harris. He hates her. He will not say two nice words about her. It is widely known that they do not like each other. He was a member of the Feinstein camp. Uh, it's just great when you have to go out there and sit there and toe the line on behalf of the quote-unquote team. Uh, I was like, oh, the Biden-Harris administration. You knew he threw up in his mouth. Overall, great experience. think Governor Newsom has to step off the crazy train. I think Governor DeSantis probably needs to find some acting classes or learn how to you know, just be a more likable version of who America would want. If he had some some of that George Bush to him and it's like oh hey hey yeah I think it would go a long way I think sometimes the Ivy League folks get that ivory tower syndrome and I think it's really hard to come back and look I'm not saying that I don't think Governor DeSantis has ever been a regular person I think he spent most of his life as a regular person but he's smart on a level that most of us aren't and he needs to be able to come down and take the really really difficult policy changes and talk to people in ways that they can understand. If he could do that, he's got a fighting shot against Donald Trump, and I still think he's the one guy who can knock him off. This is Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. My name is Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. Grateful to all of you who made me a part of your day. The final thing I want to get to today with the second segment, you're gonna, we're going to change gears a little bit. The final thing that I want to get to with the second segment is that the United States is leaning on Turkey to stop supporting Hamas and Russia. Turkish companies and individuals are risking a battery of sanctions for providing Russia with goods and services that are prohibited under Western export controls. 
Biden administration, you know, we talked, hell, I just ended the thing. It was like, can you imagine defending them? They're not wrong about everything. The Biden administration sanctions chief is warning Turkish officials that the country is fueling violence across two continents, serving as a financing haven for Hamas and a trade hub for the Russian war machine. I, well, what the hell took you so long? Like, I've been sitting here being like, why are we have a country in NATO, in Turkey, who has sat there and they have protested the admission of Finland and Sweden, didn't like either of those. I really don't. They said there was some Islamic hate group tied to one of them. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Some of that stuff just gets beyond me. I'm not real up to date on my, I'm not incredibly up to date on my Swedish Islamic hate relationships. You know, I've got enough to concentrate on soccer practice, Christmas, happy family Christmas, Thanksgiving. You can pick it. But why is the United States pretending like we are still remote allies with the Turkish? Why? I don't, I just don't get it. When you look at Turkey, they have done, they have sought to destabilize Israel. And they're both like NATO members. If some random country, if South Korea just decides to just invade Turkey for whatever reason, I just totally made that up. And we have to go defend the Turkish people. Why would we actively want to sponsor and defend somebody who fundamentally hates our way of life? And they're getting there. Like Turkey, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, hell, even 100 after the Crusades, they were like, we're real sorry. We were on the wrong side of this for a long time. The Ottoman Empire was bad. We have learned our lesson. We want to be a functioning member of the West. And it's like, and then we trusted them. Like, that's the one thing. It's like, okay, guys, like, we'll help put you back together. We'll marshal plan some of this. We're going to divvy up some of the empire, and the British are going to take Israel. It's going to work out really well because it always does when the West starts to draw lines. Like, you know, and if you don't believe me with Israel, just wait until we do it and give France Vietnam. It's going to go over incredibly well. Just wait. Democracy is the best path forward. We even do worse things than that. We actively invite them into a treaty and an alliance where we have to go defend these people. Like, there's 100 million of them. I do not want a Muslim. You can call me a racist, a sexist, a homophobe, whatever. I don't, it, like, none of that stuff bothers me. I'm like Elon Musk. I'm free of all of it. Free at last, free at last. You have the opportunity. America in the West, like, guys, we got to coalesce, and we got to, like, put some bill on the floor of NATO and we need to get these fools out of it. There is no logical reason that we have a defense treaty with somebody who wants to support Hamas and Russia. Like, you, you don't get to have it both ways. You are either on our side or you are on the side of people who cut the heads off of babies and invade concerts and kill thousands of innocent people. Or you're with us. And, and it's one of the two. Like, it's one of those things... I. We, we, we harken back to the debate. I was still glad to fundamentally see that there's nothing that there. I, I was still glad to fundamentally see that as much as like Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom really don't like each other and like they don't like each other. They were both willing to say like Israel deserves every opportunity to sit there and defend itself. And we stand with you. I was like, well, damn, we just listened to this for an hour and a half. And you guys actually said something nice. You actually said something nice that wasn't about either of you. And that's one of the real challenges that I have. Like, I, I'm not changing the tone and the tenor of the show. I'm not. Like, I believe it. Everybody else can move to the left. Everybody else can run to the right. Like, you can watch people shape shift based on elections. I will be here. I will be consistent. If you are a marginally left-leaning Democrat, welcome to my program. 
I, I want you to give me all the feedback, all the hate, all the love you, you could possibly want. You can follow me on Instagram at the Ben Burnett Show. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Burnett. I'm the old school Republican. I, I believe that business is the tail that wags the dog. I believe in having a strong defense, and I believe in treating people well. And I think that the vast majority of Americans, and I know this from my friend group, they are tired of listening to everybody throw rocks at one another. So when you have the opportunity to be super cool, and this is what I'll tell you, like I spent a lot of time with the Fox News debates earlier this week, and I spent a lot of time with Governor DeSantis' team, and I'm fortunate to know several of them. Several of the folks on there have been guests of mine over time. Cody Hall's a friend. Uh, He's one of the communications folks for Governor DeSantis, spends a lot of time with Governor Kemp. But I didn't know a soul from California. And I walked into the press building. I I walked into the press room in the hotel on Friday night, you know, about the time the debate was going to start. And I just said, hey, what's up, guys? Like, I work for the Fox affiliate, WFOM, 106.3 Atlanta's all conservative talk radio. And they were like, we're surprised anyone would come by that said anything about Fox. And I was like, well, I don't know anybody from California, really. In the political circles, I was like, I kind of marvel at what your boss has built. I think he's made some terrible, heinous decisions. But it's great. And it was like, well, we would love to get you in touch with him. Would you ever come to California and interview him? And I was like, that is exactly why I am here. And that is the show that I am looking forward to. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. My name is Ben Burnett. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. Final thing I want to get to this week. Georgia is in a special session regarding voting maps. They want to create more black congressional districts, in turn, a few more black state senate districts, a few more black house districts. I get so tired of the racial politics. I just do. I don't think it makes a ton of sense to separate African Americans from every other minority on the face of the earth with respect to voting. I think it's lazy politics. I think it's designed to be divisive. I hate absolutely everything about it. But that is not the only thing that is going on in the Georgia General Assembly this week. You are starting to watch Republicans come around on Medicaid expansion. I want to say a couple of things. Medicaid expansion was the byproduct of Obamacare. President Obama thought that every state would expand Medicaid since it was funded by and large by the federal government at a 90-10 clip. 90% of the funding came from the feds, 10% comes from the states, and on math, I can make an argument that that makes complete sense. I am a small business owner. I pay $2,000 a month for health care. If you asked me, is that unaffordable for a family? I will tell you, it is really, really difficult unless you do really well. But so often, politicians treat symptoms instead of the actual problem. And this is an example of that this week. I am very supportive of Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones. I think what he is after with repealing the certificate of need to open up competition in the state of Georgia, especially in the metro area, is a thousand percent the right thing to do. It is a fight that has needed to go on for literally almost two decades. He is a hundred percent right to do that. And honestly, the Republicans who do not believe in increasing competition, I just assume get rid of them. It is the number one issue in my mind at making health care costs more affordable. 
But if you look around Metro Atlanta, where the certificate of need absolutely directly applies more than it does in rural parts of the state by a factor of 10, Northside, Wellstar, and Emory do not want to repeal the CON, the certificate of need. And they don't want to because it protects the monopoly that they have created within Metro Atlanta. That is bad for you. But that is not entirely exclusive to the Medicaid expansion that they also want to see. I am afraid that the Senate and the House in the state of Georgia will pass a watered-down bill so that they can claim a CON or a certificate of need repeal, and it's not going to actually make your life better. At the same time, the biggest mistake that I ever made when I sat in elected office, and I'll say this, not many politicians will ever own up to votes that they want back. I will give you one right now. It is the one that keeps me up at night over absolutely everything else. And I wasn't wrong to cast a vote. When the CARES Act and the COVID relief bills came down in 2020 and 2021, I voted in favor of receiving the federal dollars to the municipality because they were already appropriated by the Congress. It essentially gave a city like Alpharetta $20, $25 million. It essentially gave plenty of other smaller cities a lot more money than that. And it put it on the backs of the federal taxpayers. In 2023, when you look at the inflation that takes place in this country, your local counties and your local municipalities are as guilty of raising the rate of inflation in this country as any other entity in the entire country. Your cities and your counties are the largest special interest group that this country has. It's not health care. It's not the telecoms. It's none of it. It's the earmarked spending that takes place, and the Democrats knew it. They are absolutely adept at funding your municipalities and propping them up because the Democrats believe that the more government you can put in place, the better off their chances of surviving and thriving will ultimately become. Now, the money that was doled out by the Congress was 100% a done deal. But the vote that I cast that I ultimately want back was receiving the federal dollars because ultimately I cast a vote that is a huge part of the recessionary problem that looms in this country in 2023, moving into 2024. Did my vote ultimately change the direction of this country? No. If Alpharetta, Georgia had not received COVID dollars, the country would still be in as bad a financial shape as it otherwise would have been. So on one hand, I can tell you that by the letter of the law and the intention, I didn't do the wrong thing. In the same way, in the same way, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones is willing to accept a federal match for Medicaid expansion, and all he wants back is a CON law. I don't think accepting the federal dollars puts this country in any worse shape. They already exist today, so I want to say that out loud. But I applaud Governor Kemp for keeping Medicaid expansion at an arm's length because ultimately it is the wrong thing to do for the future of this country. Obamacare absolutely sucks. And the further that we entrench ourselves into the ideology that this is what we have moving forward and this is what we're going to be stuck with is the wrong thing for absolutely everybody in the entire United States of America. And you are starting to see red states that are flocking to the Medicaid expansion. You've seen Sarah Huckabee Sanders 
former press secretary for Donald Trump, who's now the governor of Arkansas, put a watered-down version of the Medicaid expansion in place. And I know she can look at her constituents and justify putting poor people on the payroll so that they can have access to socialized medicine. I understand every bit of the strategy behind it, but it is a thousand percent the wrong thing for conservative states to keep doing. I would let that money sit in the United States Treasury forever, and I would be on my high horse saying that when times were bad and this country's spending was out of control, I wasn't one of the people who made it worse. That's the moral high ground. If there aren't people who are willing to step out and stand up to repeal the certificate of need, then put them on the record. And if you want to expand Medicaid, you ought to put that on the record too. I don't fault the ultimate strategy because I think that ultimately the Medicaid expansion gets done within the state of Georgia. And ultimately, I think the certificate of need gets repealed. But I want strong bills to get rid of the CON. I want as many options to go to the doctor as I can possibly have. Because one day, it's going to be a really, really serious illness or injury. And I want to be able to shop that with the right physician that, that doesn't have all the leverage to control which of the three providers I'm going to, all in the name of financial success for them, not me. If there aren't people who are willing to step out and stand up to repeal the certificate of need, then put them on the record. Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones does a fantastic job in removing the certificate of need so that health care costs and competition in Metro Atlanta comes down is 100% the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do. So often we horse trade my issue for your issue, and so often we shouldn't. That is everything that is wrong with politics on the national scale. And I'll also be the first person to tell you I'm a hypocrite. I would horse trade something here or there, small potatoes for small potatoes. If you wanted something and I wanted something, maybe we could put a big package together. But when you look at the wholesale flaws of the United States of America, spending is out of control. That is the number one issue. It's not your school boards. It's the balance sheet of this country. And the money that exists in the marketplace today within the federal government needs to be sopped up and dried up because inflation is absolutely crippling small business owners, and families. You've seen the message with the mainstream media change this week. It's almost as if CBS, CNN, and MSNBC are starting to see the rhythm that Gavin Newsom can put together, and maybe he is the challenger who can ultimately get rid of Donald Trump. I think they're starting to wise up to it. But I'm always interested to hear what you think. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can find me on Instagram, at The Ben Burnett Show. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. Thursdays, I do my thought in one take. And right here on Saturdays and Sundays at noon, you can catch me all over Metro Atlanta. I'm grateful to have you. It's been another episode of the Ben Burnett Show. Have a great balance of the weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
The fan is ready for Brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.